Thank you again, Brother Ben. And a welcome to all once again. How good it is that we can assemble this the second time on the first day of the week to worship God both in spirit and in truth with those of like and precious faith. How great He is. How great it is that He leads us. The precious memories that are supplied and that we can take time to be holy. Appreciate those good hymns. Appreciate the privilege of singing them with you. And look forward to breaking open and sharing with you another portion of God's Word. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your presence and your example, your encouragement. Spent a large part of this afternoon with Brother Wordly that came up, Ethan. He just thanks the world of you. It doesn't take long for anyone to realize how friendly and how welcoming and the love that exists here the good eldership, the good deaconship, the membership that we have, that's evident and that's easy for others to see. Ethan said it did not take him long to realize all those things. He was very complimentary. And I had the pleasure of taking all the lessons that I've learned about Lincoln and Garrett County and share them with him. We traveled around after lunch and he saw the sites and we saw Houstonville, we saw McKinney, Original Depot, and we saw Junction City and Isaac Shelby Graveyard and over into Bull County and back to Crab Orchard, William Whitley and Cedar Creek Lake. And I've been taught so much in my time, I became a good tour guide. And I owe that to you all. I appreciate that. I, I told Ethan this was my home away from home and it's almost my home period. So I was glad he came up. He said he would be back enjoyed himself tremendously. And I trust that you had a great afternoon as well. Got to see Shelby, Deb, and Will and have a great piece of cake and rest. So I had that too. Thank you so much. If you have your Bible... I would invite you please to open with me back to the book of Hebrews. And let me get situated here, please. Chapter 9 and verse 22. We're going to begin there. But in the way of introduction, Lord's will. We've been talking about the blood of Christ had several lessons thus far about that topic. And I've got a couple more lessons. Lord's will tonight and then next Sunday evening we'll conclude our thoughts at least for this portion of time on the blood of Christ. I want to look at it as the solution to all of our problems. 
The blood of Christ, His sacrifice, the Gospel, death, burial, resurrection. That's the solution to all of our problems. And there's no doubt that there's a physical component and there's no doubt that there's a spiritual component. But whatever component we're focusing on, Jesus Christ is the answer. And as we said recently, Hebrews 13.8, He's not changing. He's unchanging. We can hold to His hand. We have that steadfast hope. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, at all times, He's the solution. His sacrifice is the solution. And the importance of His blood should not be overlooked in any way, any form, any fashion. To begin, I call your attention back to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. The Hebrew writer says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there simply is no remission. Allow me to read that again. And without shedding of blood is no remission. If it wasn't for the blood of Christ, if it wasn't for the grace of the Father, we talked about this morning, to send His Son, it was not for Christ's willingness, our sins would not be remitted. And that's a timeless principle. We understand what it takes to purge. It takes blood. Without that shedding, there is no remission. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, and verse 28, you find out exactly what the blood was given for. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28. Earlier I mentioned a physical component and a spiritual component. It is the solution to our difficulties. Notice Matthew 26, 28. For this is My blood of the New Testament. Blood of the New Covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sin. And I want to emphasize the word, four letters, shed. Not haphazard. Was not an afterthought was foreordained in the pre-foreknowledge of God that His Son would come and sacrifice and make a way and purchase us. Purchase the church. Acts 20-28 with His own blood. And it was shed with purpose and intent. And that was God's plan all along. 
even before the foundation of the world, God had knowledge and a plan to save sinners like myself. Therefore, the blood of Christ takes center stage. It's featured in God's plan for the redemption of mankind. Without Jesus, again, we're lost and undone. He's the only way. He deserves all glory. He's worthy of all honor. He is Master. He's both Lord and Savior. And His message of the cross, of the blood, is the finest message ever known and ever will be known to mankind. Now, let's take a few moments, please, and let's consider the problem of sin. Allow me to tell you that you cannot preach the truth of God's Word and leave sin out. That's impossible. There are those that strive to do that. And they're in error in what they're doing. I'm sad to say, but they are. To preach the truth of God's Word, to look into the perfect law of liberty, is to speak about the entire subject. And therefore, we have wrongdoings that must be dealt with. We have wrongdoings that we're not able to remit on our own. It took a Messiah. It took a Deliverer. And even as Christians, when we fail and when we sin, we have to have one that we're in, that we're clothed with, that's willing to forgive us, willing to help us up, and willing to keep us on the straight and narrow way. We need that. Every walk of life pertains to us. But let's consider the problem of sin. First, let's define it. James chapter 4 and verse 17 has one definition of sin. And it's simple. Sin is iniquity. Sin is lawlessness. God says, do not do this. And we say, I'm going to do it anyways. That's sin. It's lots of transgression of what God has said. Or... Here's James 4.17 Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now there you have another definition. If I know what I ought to be doing and I say no thank you and choose not to do it, then unto me that becomes sin. I know someone According to this individual, every morning they look in the mirror to comb their hair. They say, James 4.17, to him that knows to do good and do it not, that is sin. He said, that's a daily reminder unto me. Sin is a universal problem. Everyone deals with sin. And if someone says to you, I'm above it, they're a liar. And the truth is not in them. That's what the Bible says. 
If one says, I'm without sin, that person is lying. The truth is not in them. Only one ever lived a flawless, perfect life. And we call Him Lord. And we're striving to be like Him. Only one. Please consider Romans 3.23, which the majority of you, I would say all, know by heart. For the wages, or excuse me, for all have sinned and fallen short, or come short of the glory of God. And I believe Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life eternal through Jesus Christ. Got my three and my six mixed up there, didn't I? Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't leave anyone out, does it? For all have fallen short of the glory of God. And are there consequences associated with sin? That's a very important question. Consequences can go one of two ways. Positive consequences or negative consequences. And I promise you, I promise you, when it comes to sin, the consequences are over here. There's nothing positive. It's negative consequences. It may seem positive for a time, but it's going downhill quickly. There's no doubt about that. There are consequences. We'll answer the question. Are there consequences? Yes. Number one, sin separates us from a righteous Father. James 1.17 says this, Every good gift and every complete or perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. And notice, with whom is no variation, neither any shadow of turning. He's not sinful. There's no variableness with Him. His Word is His bond. If God says it, it's decreed. It will happen on His timetable just as He decreed there's not a shadow of turning. God doesn't have to turn away. God will never say, oh, I've been on the wrong path. I need to get myself straightened out. That's never going to happen. There's not even a shadow of turning with God. Sin separates us. We have to repent. That's a turning away. That's a military term, repentance. That's about face go the other direction. That's something that we have to do. Number two, what are the consequences of sin? Separates us. It makes a prisoner out of you. Sin will enslave you to the sin. If you allow sin to take hold in your life, you will find yourself doing things that you never thought you would ever do. It has that kind of draw. And we are warned against that. I call your attention, please, to the Gospel of John. Chapter 8 and verse 34. 
says it all. I use the word enslave. John 8.34 is going to use the word servant. And we're serving one of two ways. John 8.34, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commit a sin is the servant of sin. The servant. John 8.34, I don't want that said about me. How about you? When my life is over, I don't want individuals to look back at what I did and say, He was a servant of sin. That was most important to Him. That's what He pursued. Was that pleasure? It's just for a season. Yes, it's pleasurable. I won't lie to you. I used to tell the fellas in the program, doing wrong, that's why it's tempting. Where's it going to lead you? Is it worth it? And are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to take what comes along with being a servant of sin? They oftentimes thought about that. And almost everyone would say, you're right. It was enjoyable up front. But look where I'm at now. Look what's become of me. That's what they would say. We can see that play out. You don't have to be in the program. You don't have to be in a jail cell to see what sin will do to you. You can be a free person walking about and you realize the disastrous negative consequences of wrongdoing. Oh, it seemed enjoyable up front. But look where it's led me. And I'm thankful that I serve a merciful Savior who is willing to forget about that. He's willing to remove that through His Son as far as east is from the west. From His mind. Man can't do that. Man's not going to do that. Oftentimes, men are going to bring up things that happened ten years ago and try to incriminate you with that. God's not that way. He's forgiving. He's willing to forgive. He sent His Son He provided the solution and He made it possible. God is so good. A servant of sin enslaves you. And lastly, here's another negative consequence of sin. It will kill you. I quoted to you last week some lyrics from the Gospel hymn that I love, No, not one that you know by heart. None else could heal all our soul's diseases. Sin is a soul disease. The writer of that hymn was thinking about that. And Jesus, the great physician, is able to remove that disease from you if you're willing to submit to Him. That's the kind of servant I want to be. I want to go from serving sin to being obedient and serving righteousness instead. Now that's that's a legacy that you would like individuals to say about you when your time sojourning here is over. Brother or sister so-and-so served others. Brother and sister so-and-so served the needs tried to live a righteous life, shared the Bible with me, 
prayed for me, loved God's will, had a kind word. They were different than the world. You see, folks are drawn to that. When folks are mistreated, when there's sin, when there's favoritism, when there's unbecoming acts, they're not surprised. That's 6 o'clock news every night. That's what you expect. Well, I saw that coming. I'm not surprised about that action. I hear about it. But when someone has kindness, which costs nothing. When someone's gracious when they don't have to be. When someone stops, we're all busy. There's not a person in this auditorium that's not busy. When you stop and you say, let me pray for you. Are you not working, sir? Yes, I am, but I'm a servant of righteousness. And I can tell that you're struggling. Why don't let me give you two minutes here and let's just pray together. Or I will pray. Let me bring your need to the church and put you on the sick list. And we will all pray for you and we'll try to do that daily. Folks don't see that coming oftentimes. That's different than the world. And folks are drawn to Jesus that way. Why don't you lift him up? Scriptures that well, refers to his death on the cross. Obviously, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw the whole world to me. But can we not exemplify Christ in our lives and draw folks? What makes you different, friend? Why did you do this for me? You didn't have to. Jesus didn't have to sacrifice on my behalf either. You see, oftentimes I'm guilty of thinking that my sin's not that bad. I'm not like old so-and-so down the road. They did something terrible. Well, let's get right down to brass tacks. And I've shared this with you. I'm a murderer. I'll be the first to tell you. My sin, Jesus had to come. That's me. Murderer standing before you. How could I ever say my sin is not that bad? You see, that's just arrogant. That's just trying to make excuses. I can't afford to do that. I realize that sin is lawlessness. We are all sinners saved by grace. There are consequences. Again, Romans 6.23, there's wage. Who's paying that wage? Can you pay the wage of your sin? Can you stand before a righteous God in eternity and say, let me in on my merit, Lord. I'm interested in heaven. I've got this sin I'm going to, I want to pay. What do I have to do for you? We're going to fall short, aren't we? We've already read Romans 3.23. We've all fallen short. That's stated. I'm counting on Jesus. Have mercy on me, a sinner. That's who we're counting on. I know my knee will bow. I know my tongue will confess along with all. We're counting on Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. If I'm counting on my merit, we read Titus 3 5. It's not a worse righteous I do. I can never do enough. How am I going to account for the spotless land? How am I even going to begin? But if I accept Him, if I respond to Him, 
I'm obedient. If I'm washed in His blood, His way. It's not by works of righteousness. I can't establish my own way. That would be sinful. That would make me a thief and a robber trying to come in a different way than the gate. Only one way. I've got to do it His way. You see, He saved us through His mercy. That's why I won that Scripture read. He does the washing. I'm responding. Lord, I'll be immersed into You. God says, I'll deliver the promise. If You do what I ask You to do, I'll wash Your sins away in the blood of My Son. By faith in the operation and the work of God. Colossians 2.13 Lest you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. John 8.24 If you believe, you will not die in your sins. God will deliver the promise. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you believe and are baptized, God will save you. You respond by faith to the grace he delivers on the promise. I want to call your attention, please. And we're running short on time. We've talked about the problem of sin. Slaves us. The consequences that are negatively associated. That it separates us from a righteous Father. We've talked about the physical and spiritual component. God sent His Son and we respond to the sacrifice that's given, the grace that's extended. No doubt. And that we cannot overlook the importance of the blood of Christ. It's the crux of the matter. It's the focal point. And as we said earlier, and I want to investigate this for the rest of our lesson tonight, Lord's will next Sunday night as well. The second part of this series. This part. There's been more than two in this lesson. I want to call your attention to Colossians chapter 1. I want to read two verses to close our sermon this evening. And then Lord's will next week we'll pick back up when I have the privilege to share with you. I'm looking forward to the brother his presentation next Sunday morning. just found out about that this morning. And I can't wait to see his presentation, hear what he has to say. Looking forward to being back with you in the evening. Colossians chapter 1, and verse 19 and following. For it pleased, we don't have to go any further. Three words, and you come to the word pleased. Now, think about this. For it pleased the Father that in him, that's Christ, right? All the fullness dwell. The Godhead fully dwelling in Christ. If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. And I will send the Comforter. There's the three. In Christ. Now I'm not going to deny for a second there's a God the Father, a God the Son, a God the Spirit. If you deny that, you're denying Scripture. You've got to read your Bible. It says it clearly. Jesus is here in earthly ministry. God speaks from heaven. This is my Son who I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Hear Him. Not Moses. Not Abraham. Not the patriarchal age. Not the Mosaic law. Listen to Him. I'm bringing something new and better that fulfilled 
We like to define our worship from the Old Testament. Listen to Him. No, we don't. We live under the New Covenant. We're listening to Christ. Our worship is not what was nailed to the cross or what was fulfilled, but what stands today as a New Testament Christian. Folks tell me that quite often. Well, we, we, do, we find what we, they did in Ezekiel. Hear Him. This is my son. Hear Him. Lord, I'll make three tabernacles. No, you won't. I know Moses and Elijah. Great heroes of faith. But this is my son. Hear Him. We live under the New Covenant. We are New Covenant Christians. We're part of the church and the worship that we find defined in the New Testament. That's spirit and in truth. And that's what we offer. In our giving, in our singing, in our preaching and teaching. The fellowship, giving, being around the Lord's table. Those acts of worship that we find defined in the covenant in which we live. It pleased the Father that in the Son should all fullness dwell. He's the solution. The full money. He's the solution. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, He carried it to the point of exhaustion and then was crucified upon it and shed emphasis, shed His blood to purchase us. Without that, I'm nothing. I have no spiritual blessings. I have no hope of tomorrow. But because of that, we're blessed in every way. We don't worry about tomorrow. We don't worry about the future. Whatever it holds, God will. If God wills, we'll do this and that. That's what James said. I'm going to go to town, buy and sell, make a profit. If God wills, you'll do these things. Such and such. So tomorrow doesn't worry us because God holds it in His hand. He sent His Son. I'm covered. I'm living faithful and trusting in Him. I fear God. Who should we obey? Men or God? That's the answer. If you live an obedient life, fear is gone. That's great news. Having made peace through the blood, His cross, by Him to reconcile the ministry of reconciliation, Oftentimes, brothers will refer to that as the ministry of reconciliation. What that means. Bridging the gap. You've probably seen the illustration. Sin, you and God's over here and it's broken. You've seen that. And here's Jesus. He's the bridge, right? Now, draw the bridge in. That illustration is probably a hundred years old now. It's still working. It may be older than that. Folks see that. I'm over here and my sin has separated. It's not peaceable. My offenses are in the way. Jesus comes in and bridges the gap. 
that I can go across and be reconciled back to the Father where I need to be, where I want to be, where I desire to stay. All things unto Himself by Him. God did that through His Son. It was God's will. Whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Where's Jesus at today? Yes, He ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. That's Christian people. But where does He reside today? At the right hand of authority. The right hand of the Father in heaven. Peace has been made. Wall separations abolished by His death. The veil was rent and torn. Access is yours. And if we're negligent, shame on us. God paid this much of a price, the ultimate price of sending His only begotten Son. John 3.16, will you respond? Whosoever believeth, do you believe? I don't think I want to repent. Do you believe? I, do I have to confess? Do you believe? Well, baptism isn't that important to me. Do you believe? You see how belief works? You say you believe God, but you won't be obedient. Do you believe? That's easy to understand. I want my sins remitted, but I'd like to come to you my own way, Lord. Well, do you believe in the Bible? Obviously not. If you're not willing to do it His way. Am I Lord? Am I a Master? That's a resounding no. Can I save myself? No. Are my works good enough? Never. Oh, I did a great job sinning. I've done a great job separating myself. Falling short. Look where I'm at. Sometimes I think about that. When folks become arrogant, I think, look where you are in the sight of God. You've done such a great job to this point. Now, being facetious, you're over here, you're outside. When a person realizes that and they say, boy, I've done a terrible job, I'm not righteous at all. I need a Savior. Let me see that Bible. What does it say? I want to be forgiven. And since I offended heaven, since I sinned against the Almighty, tell me please, Lord, what You would have me to do. And I'm going to respond. I just want to be right in Your... Now, there's a person who believes. Whosoever... But that's a person who believes... And I think about Acts 16. They were called believers when they did all it was appointed unto them to do. Washed the stripes straightway that very hour of the night showing repentance, were baptized into Christ and the household, and then and only then were they all believers. So don't let folks trip you up with that word believe. That somehow believe means I can disregard what the Bible says. That's as far from the truth it could possibly be. If you believe, you will do what the Bible says. 
And that is demonstrated by what you believe. And as a Christian, what you don't do oftentimes demonstrates what you believe. I can't offer that to God. It's not authorized in His Word. I love Him too much. He's paid too much. He means too much to me to approach Him in a way He hasn't asked for. We love Him enough to do it His way. I'm going to pray His way. I'm going to sing His way. I'm going to worship Him in all aspects the way the Bible indicates. Because I love Him that much. I'm going to serve His way. So we have a problem of sin. It's unpeaceable. And God is willing to reconcile. We're going to study further on that. Lord's will next Sunday night. I want to invite you to come back. I hope you'll be excited about the lesson. I am as well. But please remember, whether it's in earth or on heaven, peace has been made through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's the truth. You can know the truth. And the truth will truly set you free. And we are counting and trusting in and on that truth. If you are present this evening, and you've been thinking about the blood of Christ, you've been thinking about the cross, you've been thinking about how much God loves you and what He was willing to give His only begotten Son, and how precious Jesus is, if you have a need, why wait? Why leave this building, this assembly, with a question in mind? Why not make it right in the sight of God now? You can do that by believing in Him and through the faith that you have, repenting of your sins, confessing that faith publicly in Jesus as the Son of the living God and being buried with Him in the watery grave for the remission of your past sins. You'll rise to walk in a newness of life. The commands and the associated promises are yours. No one can ever separate you from the love of God as you live a faithful, obedient life demonstrating the love that you possess. If you are subject to the Gospel invitation in any way, even as a Christian, if you desire the prayers of Christian people on your behalf for rededication or just for a need, any way that we can assist you in your response, won't you come? as we stand together and blend our voices and sing the hymn of invitation.